I can't find people to work. And it's not the people that used to work here and are still of working age aren't uh, sitting at home spending their PPP funds. They yeah. found a better job. Uh, so that's a good news. So so we're in this strange situation of almost zero unemployment. Everybody that really is looking for a job has one. Everybody's got a uh, help wanted sign. And obviously wages have increased a great deal over the last two years. And yet the economy is still declining. And, 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 uh, and it's like, well, how, is it, how does this work? I'm happy for the folks that have found the, the full-time work, but I still have this seasonal labor, seasonal labor need that I have to fill. So that's what I'm doing when I'm doing. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. We're in Missouri. We're in Missouri with Blake Hurst. At Blake Hurst is farm and, and greenhouses, and, and Blake's been a guest before. Blake, it's good to have you back on Farm to Table Talk. Well, thank you for asking me back. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to chase you down is I saw something that you had had written talking about an experience that you're having. You're working way too hard, Blake. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can't do it all yourself without getting extra help, and it's not as easy as it used to be to get people to help on the farm. And yeah, I, 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 wa- I wanted to talk about that story because you're not the only one going through that. There's people all over the country that are running into that problem. It makes me wonder what it's like. And then I think speculate a little bit on when and, and if it's ever going to get better or is this going to be a new normal we have to have to look to. Well, we uh, have a, a, a greenhouse business and, and a, and a uh, crop farm here in northwest Missouri. Uh, we've been at this for well over 30 years um, and have always depended on uh, locals uh, for help. Uh, typically, retired farmers might drive my trucks uh, or trailers. I might uh, pick up neighbors who would work while their children were in school, or uh, they might have a, <laughs> a two-day-a-week job in uh uh, we had a lady last year that worked for us that worked for the local water company uh, part time. So she worked out here half a day at the water company half a day. So, so we could piece it together and we could make it work. Um, last year, I think I sent out um, uh, twenty three uh, W 2s and the week of a Mother's Day, our busiest day of the year, three of those people uh, showed up to work. Uh, so we, you know, we, we, we decided that uh, we had, had reached the end of that model that was no longer going to work. Um, and so we uh, went through the process of getting a couple of H2A agricultural workers uh, from Mexico. Well, you know, I think that this is a story that's that's happening all across the country, that, that there are people that are running into the same thing. They've gone as long as they can, try to to work out a system and get enough people to help them with their farming operation. And, and they just needed to do something more and get workers from often from Mexico. Although there's some other countries that are providing H2A workers as, as well. 
So how do you do that exactly? I mean, I understand this first part is that you got a lot of work that needs to be done that was getting done with the system you had. It's not adequate, and you got to get a couple of people at least up here. So what does a person do? Do you don't pull out, uh, go online and look up H2A? Um, where do you even start? Well, the first thing I did was um, check with a couple of uh, a couple of uh, uh, neighbors who are actually one. There's only one guy that uses much uh, much uh, uh, H2A labor. Talked with him about it, and then talked to a greenhouse, uh, a much larger greenhouse, uh, about 300 miles away, who is using H2A labor. Both, and they both use uh, contractors uh, to secure their labor. Uh, the problem with that is for a business of my size and with my requirements, it was going to cost me, uh, in order to get two workers here, it was going to cost me $10,000 uh, for the contractors uh, before I even started uh, even started the season or paying the workers. So I did it myself, uh, which means that um, there's there's good advice, as you mentioned online, particularly the USDA has a, has a website that uh, kind of takes you through it step by step. Uh, but you have to get permission and um, interact with your state employment agency, uh, the Department of Labor. And then when you jump those hurdles, uh, which have a series of things you have to do, you have to promise lodging and they uh, can uh, and often do inspect that lodging. You have to promise to make uh uh, given transportation from the lodging to your farm, uh, you have to uh, pay transportation to get them here from wherever they're coming from. Anyway, serious requirements. Uh, and then when you get that done, then you deal with the Immigration Service and the uh, uh, the Department of Homeland Security. So basically four different uh, bureaucracies to uh, get through. Um, and it took me, uh, they recommend 45 days for the process, and it took every single day. In fact, the workers were delayed a week um, because of a mistake I'd made on my paperwork. Um, but we got them here, and uh, and it was quite an adventure for for us and them too. I'm still um, waiting on correspondence for the from the immigration service. They were unhappy uh, with some of my paperwork, uh, and I tried to uh, satisfy their request, and I never heard back. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, it's, I've got my workers and they're working and, and, uh, everything seems they've got all their paperwork they need to be legal. Uh, so, so I guess if I never hear from the immigration service, I'll be, uh, happy as a clam. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did you identify who the people were that you're going to get? Yeah, that's interesting. So, so I'm not sure I did never go out and look for it, but somewhere, um, there is a website which lists uh, people like me who are looking for labor. So we started getting uh, applications from literally all over the world. Uh, and this is one of the one of the things I wrote about in my piece and I think was kind of one of the conclusions, which surprised me. So I had applications from Germany, from South Africa, from Brazil, from um, a couple of Central American companies and from um, and from Mexico, a surprising number of, uh, you know, this is just one, this anecdotal, but my observation, surprising number of applications from Brazil. And the ones from Brazil were very accomplished people. 
Uh, in other words, uh, mid-career, some of them clearly in their 30s from their resumes, college degrees. Uh, one young man called me, or middle-aged man, I guess, called me on the phone, uh, very fluent in English. Uh, also told me he spoke uh, Portuguese, of course, and Spanish. He says, I said, why are you applying for a job that you're so clearly overqualified for? And he says, well, he says, no jobs here. I have to. So anyway, my first observation I would make that is that Brazil's economy is in a certain amount of trouble considering the uh, quality of applicants I got from there. Uh, the two young men that are here, I got some help from a lady that works um, or did work at uh, uh, actually a CAFO about uh, five miles from here and they have they have quite a contingent of um uh, h2a labor and she uh she so she surfaced i contracted with her for that part she surfaced the two young men uh helped them go through the steps of getting their uh visa and traveling to the consulate and all that stuff so i did contract on that part of it and uh i will if i will do this again uh, probably try to find a couple more next year. And uh, I will use her again because that took, uh, I, my assumption is uh, that most of the people working for the uh, my neighboring hog farmer are from the same area that uh, Juan and Carlos are from. Uh, I will say they um, told us uh, before they arrived that Carlos um, had a working, I think it said working knowledge of English I would say that might have been some aggressive marketing, but uh, <laughs> we we get along. You know, we're able yeah. to communicate remarkably well with Google Translate. Uh, the kids have phones. We got phones. We just type out our questions or our our comments, and we get along fine. Yeah, and they can translate too, right? Mm -hmm. they... mm -hmm. Yeah, I just type out. Uh, you know, I'll I'll, I'll ask them. Uh, question or or inquire i uh we've had trouble since there isn't um and i'm sure anybody that you talk to about h2 labor since there isn't a real uh only one other employer within uh, several miles that i know of uses this labor we don't have a lot of the infrastructure which i'm sure you would find in california uh so in other words transferring money back to mexico has been difficult uh, they obviously have no place that they can, uh, when they arrived, they wanted to uh, trade uh, pesos for dollars. Uh, let me tell you, that's not done in Ashton County, Missouri. Uh, so we just uh, we just bought them, uh, obviously had a place for them to stay and everything. We just bought them enough groceries to get them through the first week and put gas in their car and got them on their way. So, so, so it would be handier. Like anything else, um, when there's several people doing the same thing, then you build up an infrastructure that makes it all smoother. And I'm sort of having to discover all that by myself. Well, I'm just thinking they might have gotten lucky because they're better off in the greenhouse than working in a big hog house. But then it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I would it smells guess, better. Yeah, I would guess it's, you know, it, it can be wet and it can be warm or cold, but uh, yeah, it does smell better. You know, they're nice kids. When I took them Sunday uh, up to help them change, send money home, uh, one of the boys has a wife and a child, and uh, the other young man, his uh, mom needs a new stove. So we went to we went to neighboring town to a Walmart, 
which is very important. Um, that's the first question. Where's Walmart? And uh, transfer the money. And uh, Carlos's mom needs a new stove, so so we transfer money for that. But uh, I asked them, you know, just we're typing out, and when we stopped us, I asked them about uh, the cartels. And uh, I had an atlas in the car, and and uh, they showed me where they lived, which is a medium-sized city, not too far from a uh, medium-sized city to, to me, a uh, small town to them. But anyway, a medium-sized city, not too far from Guadalajara. And they told me the places where the cartels were active. And then I could see uh, Carlos type, 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 type. And uh, he said, much better to be in the workforce than in the drug business. And I said, yeah, Carlos, it is. So anyway, they're, they are making their way. And uh, they came off the plane. And, and obviously, I could pick them out in Kansas City. Uh, and neither one of us, we would, you know, they didn't speak English. I couldn't speak Spanish. And I thought, they're 20 and 22. And I thought, how frightening it must be to get on a plane, land in a strange city, and I would bet it's a first plane ride, uh, get on a plane, land in a strange city, not speak the language, not to have any money, uh, and hope that some guy is going to show up to meet you yeah. uh, and that it's all going to work out. Uh, so this is an adventure for them, and uh, it's been an adventure for us as well. Uh, so so uh, the, 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 they're, they're doing the work, and that's working well. Uh, never occurred to me that I might enjoy learning a little bit about their culture and their families, uh, but I have. So that's been a good thing. Yeah. Well, and actually, you get there are two different stages of life too. That, that'd be kind of interesting <laughs> as well. If you've got you've got one that's got a, a young family that he's trying yeah. to support back in Mexico, and another one the younger yet that just trying to get on his feet and probably. I, I'm just guessing he's got a lot in common with uh, uh, teenage boys. Uh, in, in well, the States, or... since you mentioned that, uh, the first paycheck, uh, Carlos wanted in a phone, so I took him to Walmart. Well, he didn't quite have enough to buy a reconditioned iPhone 13. And I said, well, they got, you know, I pointed him to the iPhone 7s that had been reconditioned were in his budget. Nope. He needed an iPhone 13. And so we waited. I said, okay, you know, I saved my money. I said, okay. And uh, so, so, so we had, we stopped by the groceries, and I said, "Do you need any groceries?" And said, "No, nope, saving money." So I said, "Okay." And uh, so we got in on the internet and ordered him a iPhone 13. And once he had the cash available, and and uh, well, the reason he needs an iPhone 13 is that Carlos is a skateboarder. And he wants to take videos of him skateboarding when he gets back to Mexico. And he showed us on the phone he had, he showed us some videos uh, of skateboarding. And I am not an expert, uh, but he looks pretty darn good to me. So uh, it will not surprise me if a year from now, uh, Carlos is a TikTok sensation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that is when you take that on, you've got that responsibility. Because you're not only getting workers from another country, but again, you're getting them at a different stage in life, and and uh, and you take a, you have to take an additional interest because what you're describing too is if you were just hiring 
some somebody sure. locally, you know, they go home and you don't know what's going on with them for the rest of their life, but you got some responsibility that these guys are getting along all right and they're functioning that's, in a in a country where it's not their first language and you know that's exactly that's exactly right. Obviously when you hire your uh you know the guy that farms two farms over and you hire uh his wife to come, you, you know that's it. You know, you, when they go home, they go home. And obviously they don't want us to uh, be involved in their lives, except as a neighbor. Uh, but that's totally different. Yes, you do feel some responsibility. Um, the kids, my, my uh, I've got one grandson that plays high school baseball. And uh, one of the things we've talked about when his, his season start here in a couple of weeks, the boys like baseball. I'm sure they like soccer better, but they like baseball. So we'll, we'll take him to a ball game or two. Uh, you know, just for something different, for something then to the, to see what it's like in the U.S. Now, did you have to give them a car or a truck to use? Yeah, I bought a, uh, uh, I bought a, uh, a, a uh, 1998 Chevy Cavalier uh, with a hole in the muffler, but by golly, it gets them back and forth to, uh, back and forth to work. <laughs> and, uh, and to Walmart, and uh, we're going to have fine. They've ordered me a new muffler. So uh, here in a day or two, they'll even be legal. Oh, well, <laughs> and then what about that? I mean, how do they, they get some sort of um, of a driver's, driver's permit uh, ultimately? Yeah, and that's interesting as well. Um, Carla or uh, Juan has an international driver's license uh, that he secured in Mexico. And that, as far as I know, allows him to drive here uh we took him over and got him social security cards and so we can you know so they're in the social security system and our and our uh, you know obviously we're doing all the withholding the h2a program works this way they have to go back although we don't need them for that long uh and we will i think uh here in a month or two as we get close to the end of our season uh my neighbor will take them on if they want to stay. So I, I will communicate that, or I have communicated that and they'll make up, they'll have, but they'll have to go through the application process. He will, uh, we'll have to go through the application process again to keep them past the end of their visa, which is on uh, the end of June. They have to go back at the end of 11 months, um, and, uh, and spend uh, a few weeks in Mexico before they can return. Uh, and that, as it turns out, has been kind of an issue for agriculture, uh, not a problem for uh, California fruit and vegetable growers, but for dairy farmers and, and uh, hog farmers has been an issue. Uh, although I'm sure my neighbor, who I think has 30, uh, 30 migrant workers, obviously just, you know, rotates, you know, has has some coming and going, I'm sure, every month. So he, the 11-month uh provisions not a problem but it would be if we needed them year-round it would be a problem because obviously uh with two workers you can't do that so so the problem that they're running into is that they they just they just need the labor so when they're when they're yeah back yeah in, they're back right, mexico, right. mexico then they have to then they have to uh figure out how to how to how to plug in other people for that uh for that month so so one of the when the agriculture groups like Farm Bureau work on immigration policy, that's one of the uh, uh, there's an H2B program, which allows people to stay longer, uh, but it has a limit on the numbers that can come. And so 
on you have to make an application to be allocated uh, allocated workers and and can only recruit them after their uh, after you've received that permission. Uh, the H two A program does not have, uh, as I understand, the limit. Uh, so you just go through the process, but they do have to return uh, to their home country every year. So the H two A system. Um, how many people? Do you have any idea how many people can come you in? You know, I, I do not. I do not. And I should know, and I'm embarrassed that I don't, but I don't know. Must uh, be a bunch. The, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But alternatively, uh, there are people that, um, you know, go to a contractor who uh, ostensibly has checked papers and got them, you know, but... You know, the story is there's a lot of papers that 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 you you have no idea whether they're they're legit or not or whether it's somebody right. that's come across illegally uh, into the country and show up and have a have a job. So there's a a lot of that as as well. But when you're doing the HTOA, I mean, you're you got some extra hassles, but you're legit from one end of the deal to the to the end. Well, sure, we're we don't have to worry about. Um... Anybody showing up and inspecting us? I would guess, uh, and I don't know this, uh, so I'm really uh, getting out over my skis here. I would guess that kind of situation is much more a problem uh, when a farmer has a three-week window uh, to get his crops harvested. It would really be a tremendous hassle uh, to do what I did, which, um, you know, okay, so, so I mean, I'm, I have no reason not to be frank about what all this cost me. So it was $4,900 a piece to hire a contractor or a, a contractor to do the whole thing. I paid uh, my my friend that helped me with the recruitment $1,200. So anyway, basically saved $7,200. But I put in easily uh, 100 hours this winter going through the paperwork, making phone calls, all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's pretty good pay for me in the wintertime, mm-hmm. uh, but, it, but it wasn't free. And, and if you were, if you were, uh, you needed 30 people for just a week um, or two weeks to get your harvest out, it, you just couldn't possibly do it. So you would have to go through a contractor. Uh, and then that's when, as you say, the illegal uh, legal population comes into play, I am sure. Well, so the, so the restriction really is that it just um, the program, the H two A program, is is not flexible in the way that some people either want to have people all the time or oh, yeah, shorter, right. shorter or, periods of time and not right. Just need them for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, that would be I'm sure the problems because it's going to work. I think if I, um, I'm assuming my learning curve. <laughs> We'll slope down to the right and down into the right just a little bit. So next year it's going to be easier, uh, and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, get this done with a little less. I, I feel like I've learned a few things at least. So so it's going to work well for us. But again, if I needed them every, if I needed two people every day of the year, that would be a challenge. Uh, and if I needed a large group of people for a short period of time, that would be a huge challenge. Uh, the way this system is set up. You know, I'm thinking, Blake, about how you describe the way you were able to used to do it, that there might be somebody that uh, had another job or a farmer that's retired and fill in a little bit here and there. 
but um, I wonder if we're ever going to go back to the good old days, um, you know, because I'm sure across the country, there's lots of other farmers that have come to the same point that as much as they were able to fill in and kind of make it get, get by uh, for one reason or another, it's just not happening. It's not, it's, doesn't yeah, seem to be so, available. So I have, I guess, a series of thoughts, and I, and I really, you know, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> the work we do involves a lot of handwork that doesn't maybe totally occupy your mind. So I think about this a lot. So we're in a very depressed area. Uh, population's declining. Uh, if you drive through our small town, you would, uh, uh, you would be, uh, you, you know, you would notice a lot of substandard housing. You would think this is not a good place to be. Um, and yet I can't find people to work. And it's not the people that used to work here and are still of working age aren't uh, sitting at home spending their PPP funds. They yeah. found a better job. Uh, so that's a good news. So so we're in this strange situation of almost zero unemployment. Everybody that really is looking for a job has one. Everybody's got a, a help wanted sign. And obviously wages have increased a great deal over the last two years. Uh, and yet the economy is still declining. And, 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 uh, and it's like, well, how, is it, how does this work? Uh, and I've come to the conclusion that one of our problems is, uh, um, you know, a housing stock. We really have uh, inadequate housing stock. So even if there is a good job that somebody might want to come here and fill, uh, they would have trouble finding a place to live. So that, that's one thing that's happened to us. Uh, but but so so that's basically a good news story. Uh, but I don't think that we'll ever, uh, I think that the, the, the population trends here are such that there will never be, um, you know, a lot of people that uh, uh, have the ability and the willingness to work and don't have a job. I mean, and that's, again, uh, a good thing, uh, but it makes our, 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 our job more difficult. But like I say, the, you know, the girls that were ladies that were working here three years ago, um, have better jobs, you know, yeah. and better in the sense that they're full time, you know, because ours is, you know, come in February, go home in June. Uh, well, that keeps you from, you know, maybe taking a full time job, but it's certainly not, um, you know, not enough if you need a full time job. So, so I'm happy for the folks that have found the, the full time work, but I still have this seasonal labor, seasonal labor need that I have to fill. So that's what I'm doing when I'm doing. Yeah, I can think back years ago, my dad needed to get extra help and he'd always have like a full time hire man and mm -hmm. uh, it wouldn't have been a hired woman, too. He, he actually that sometimes as couples, they would be doing work for us on the on the farm as well. But you couldn't find anybody. And because we were close to Peoria, Illinois, it was easy for people to go in and get a job at Caterpillar or somewhere and lots of benefits, and you couldn't match it on a farm. You couldn't sure. keep up with it. And so they were doing the same sort of thing. But when they went south back then, we go to Kentucky to find workers instead of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> and and, 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 uh, and they would be bringing people up from Kentucky. We had somebody that I know we helped uh, move up from Kentucky, a nice young man with a family and everything. And and, you know, by the time you give them um, a house and a half a beef and a pickup truck and, and you add things up, you're thinking you're doing everything you could possibly 
do. And uh, but it still couldn't compete with what they sure. did the other jobs. Well, that's uh, yeah, that's that we laugh about that around here. My granddad uh, used to have lots of hired help, not lots, but he would have sometimes have four, five, six men and typically came from South Missouri. And uh, now, 50 years later, 60 years later, uh, when you drive through South Missouri, you realize that uh, people from up here are going there to retire and work. <laughs> the relative economies have uh, completely uh, have completely reversed. So I guess uh, if you wait long enough, good things will happen to you, maybe. But but the parts of the country where we used to get, as you say, uh, seasonal help or 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 hired hands or whatever now where everybody wants to go and are are booming and uh our part of the country not so much so so i guess that's a a, economies change over time yeah i guess they do and then the other thing too people turn on the news and they end up seeing thousands of people down at the border that want to come in and and a fair share of them could do could do work if they were given an opportunity but uh um, we probably don't have enough time in this podcast to solve that problem. <laughs> no, no, we don't. And I certainly, uh, you know, am cursed by the ability to see both sides of the issue to uh, to to know where I am and the needs I have for my business, which won't survive uh, yeah. without these guys, these guys. And then also the people that are concerned, uh, you know, both for for pressure they feel that may put on wages. Uh, and also uh, just cultural change and stuff. I mean, I get it. I understand it. And we should have control. Uh, we should have control of our borders. It's obviously there's laws and they should be followed. So uh, I understand it. I, I get both sides. Uh, makes it tough in today's yeah. world. Yeah. yeah. Well, we should have control of the borders, but you ought to be able to say, here's some people. They're willing to work hard. Looks good. We can send them up to Missouri and, and they can go to work in a greenhouse or something but uh yeah well the the lady that helped me uh i mean i think is probably an example and again i understand that this is there's a lot of people but she and her husband came 24 years 20 years ago uh to work um they both gained over time their citizenship um she it started this business. Her husband is a foreman at the at the far, at the farm. Uh, one, their daughter is up at Iowa State um, in engineering, just like my grandson is, and uh, their son is in the is in the Navy, I think, but is in the service. Um, gosh, to me, that sort of sounds like the American story. But yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, I guess it's controversial. But anyway, uh, I'm glad she's here. Oh, uh, and uh, I'm glad her daughter's learning to be an engineer at Iowa State. So there you go. You know, I was thinking as you were speaking earlier about how when you put the word out that you were looking for something, you ended up hearing from people literally all over the world. Everybody thinks of Mexico first because that's the border of Mexico. But the fact that there's a lot of places in the world can say, this is, boy, this would be great to have this opportunity to come to work and and make some money in the states um at the same time i have people that i talk to that are woofers that are worldwide opportunities in organic farming that donate their time to go live on work on the farms all around the world so there's a list of people here in the united states that are 
going uh, going out around the world to get an, an experience too. So part of it is getting that international experience in their case, not just sure. uh, what they need to, sure. to make money. An adventure. Yeah. And you can, yeah. yeah. If I was their age, I could understand it. I, I thought I better preface that at my age. Uh, I like uh, uh, the, the, the guys, the first thing they went to buy at the grocery store was bottled water. And I said, well, you can, but you don't have to. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just a cultural difference. And uh, sometimes we forget how very, very fortunate uh, uh, we are. Well, I had Peace Corps on as guests a couple of weeks ago. And and actually, they have uh, really have programs that they said they have people in their 80s now that are going over from the States okay. to work. So, yeah. so you're not near old enough yet to, to do <laughs> yes, that. Yes, I <laughs> so, uh, so, So, Blake, kind of where we are right now across agriculture, and you had been the president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, you were on the American Farm Bureau Board, and you know people all over the United States that are in farming operations. Is this pretty much an experience that you feel goes from coast to coast and border to border? That, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, I absolutely do. I think it uh, has become more and more of a challenge. Uh, I, I, I once in a while will have somebody I was thinking about the other day. Uh, well, to have somebody mention the increasing age of farmers, I guess we're the our average age is over 60 now. And so, you know, we're farming more acres. So I, I don't know that it's a, a, cha a, a problem on, uh, on just your basic crop farm. Uh, although man, I see a lot of, you know, I have a lot of farmers all across state or Facebook friends and, and I bet you I could go through my Facebook feed the last three days and find five farmers uh, advertising for help. Uh, so even I think it's even gotten to the crop farming, which would typically, you know, not be quite so labor intensive. Uh, but but yeah, I think it is where we are. And uh, and I don't I don't see it getting any better. I mean, obviously, we have uh, whatever labor saving devices we can we can uh, find uh but but a lot of this you know transplanting and things are are um when we have we have a machine that transplants you know a transplanter uh but it doesn't really work well uh for our business which tends to be a lot of small custom growing for a lot of small customers uh high service high touch business so we might be uh transplanting eight flats of one kind of flower and 12 flats of another kind of flower and then potting, you know, potting several hundred uh, big containers for another, another customer. And so there's nothing that we can standardize uh, that, that, that we can really, uh, I see us in the very near future being able to automate, uh, automate. So those places where you just can't, uh, replace uh, a person with a machine. I think it's going to be harder and harder to find. And uh, so, I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, it's just one of the challenges, and we'll uh, we'll figure it out. We'll patch it together. We'll all all figure a different way to work it. Uh, each farmer will, but um, but it is certainly, uh, I think, something that's going to continue to be a problem for agriculture. You know, I think probably most of the land grant universities have got some sort of ag engineering group that's looking at some aspects of trying to mechanize aspects of farming or harvesting and, and so that they can try to cut down on labor, but it doesn't happen very sure. fast. 
And then sure. when it, and then when you do have to use big equipment, I mean, ultimately you still have to have somebody drive those tractors, even though that they're they almost drive themselves, and you know the big equipment. But uh, you're you're you know it's it, it's a challenge, and it just makes me wonder too, Blake, because I I see people going into farming that are almost versions of homesteading, and they have left a job in the city and gotten a small acreage or something but their responsibility is until they can hire people they're more they're working their heads off they it's you see how hard these people are that are trying to farm a small acreage and do specialty crops and take care of of um you know going direct to consumers and so forth and they put long long hours and pretty soon or sometime they'll get to that stage where you've already gotten to and say wait a minute I can't do all this anymore. I got to have some extra help. Yeah, so. it is. And it's amazing. I mean, I have a great deal of admiration for people that, uh, that are doing that, but I will, um, you know, again, it's very seasonal. So I spent, a, well, obviously spent a large part of the year driving to farm bureau meetings used to, but, but, uh, you know, even 20, 30 years ago would do this part of the year and part of the year I was driving a combine or a truck. Uh, so I got a break from it, but, but your body will tell you, um, uh, when it's time to, uh, time to, you, you can't do it. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, being a professional athlete or, a or a bricklayer, I suppose there's a point at which you can't do it anymore. So you better be planning for that day. I, I was thinking, uh, just the other day, I was looking back into my own family of farmers and they are always, have always been farmers. And every single one of them reached a stage they moved to town, uh, <laughs> e even back in the 1860s. You know, now people yeah. talk about how they want to stay where they are and as they get older, and that's great. But uh, every single one of my farmer ancestors uh, reached a stage in life that it's time to go to get a house in town. <laughs> well, well, you get to the point where your infrastructure becomes a burden, right? Uh, we yeah. spent uh somebody drove <laughs> drove a trailer through the the uh, electric line going down to my dad's well lives out in the country has his own well and uh, drove an auger through it took tore down the tore down the electricity we just got it put back up and uh two days later it got tore down again and dad said well they hit it again i said well that guy had to get his auger home <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, uh. and so yeah, you know, he wasn't on, he didn't keep driving. He turned around, came back eventually when he got his bed full. But anyway, point being, you do, I, I understand that because, you know, you're, you're in charge of your own, uh, septic system, your own water, your electricity, you're at the end of the electric line. Uh, uh, it all becomes, uh, more of a challenge as we age. Yeah. Well, I guess just in wrapping up a couple of things, Blake. So looking down the road, what I hear you saying is that we probably ought to get used to this as being the way we're going to be functioning in agriculture, that uh, around the country, more and more people are going to be discovering, I think, the uh, probably the pros and cons. I mean, there's challenges that you've described, but also one of the things I've heard you saying was you kind of, you learn more than you realize you were going to be learning about the cultures and the people and, and being curious in their life and maybe this whole process of getting people from all over working on our farms and even some of our kids going out working on other farms. Um, society may be getting better in ways we can't quite articulate yet, uh, but that those are some aspects of it that I'm sure are on the positive. But one way or the other, it's just kind of 
maybe our new reality. Oh, I think it is. And, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, uh, you know, the Rotary Club here or, 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 or those folks that uh, sponsor exchange students and all that. But, uh, you know, you kind of wonder, obviously, we have other employees uh, that are working here. And you kind of wonder how everybody's going to react and how they're all going to work together. And uh, every morning when I come in, um, one of the ladies, one or, one or the other of the ladies that works here has baked something for Carlos and Juan. So, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> which they would do, you know, young young men on their own, they're worried about their stomachs, which uh, I understand. Although I have to tell you, they bring their. Uh, they bring their lunch every day, and that one or the other of them looks to me like a pretty salty cook. So uh, I keep hoping they'll offer to share, but they haven't yet. But anyway, they're they're obviously handling the cooking and cleaning just fine in their apartment. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, you know, we're yeah, it, it, and it is. It's a different experience, and uh, but you know, you deal with life as it is. You don't. Uh, uh, the only thing I would say is it strike. You know, after going through the process. Uh, it needs to be, oh my, you know, just, I don't know, everybody says it should be simpler. And I understand uh, that particularly as an issue that's as politically fraught as immigration is. I understand uh, that the T's have to be uh, crossed and the I's dotted. Uh, but it, it would seem to me there ought to be some way to match up farmers and people uh, willing to do this work and, uh, you know, sort of sort of streamline the process uh so that you know because if it's so much work that people are charging five thousand dollars uh to do it and i realized that uh i probably assumed some li legal liability here that i had had i hired a, a contractor a lawyer to do this process i would have i understand that uh but but it seems that that's just really too difficult for what, what after all is uh a pretty simple process. We understand that they have to go back. We understand they need a visa and a social security number and all those things. Uh, and we've done all those. I would say when I went over to get the social security number, um, uh, their social security card painless process. Uh, the lady took their uh, entry documents, their passports, uh, came back in 20 minutes and said, you know, your paperwork will show up in 10 days, which it did. So so the Social Security Administration's figured it out. Uh, I hope some of the other uh, government bureaucracies can as well. I tell you, it's a great start just to hear one good story. I mean, yeah, so, there many, you go. <laughs> so many people complain. It's nice to remind us that we've got some really important civil servants that are doing the best they can and sometimes doing it really, really well, too. No, well, I, I laughed at the... Uh, the first time I filled out my form for the immigrant or the Department of Labor, I didn't do it right. And they sent back a letter with all the mistakes I had made. And then I read the letter again the second time. And I realized that they had very carefully written out. It was like a test review with your favorite social studies teacher, you know, when you were a fourth grader. They had very carefully written out the correct answers. And all I had to do was lift them out of their... Uh, out of their reply and put them in the proper uh, put them in the proper spots. So they were helping me all the all that they could, but uh, it did take uh, some back and forth before we got it done. You know, you were with involved with Farm Bureau so long 
that uh, you're used to having people bring up the fact that there is a farm bill and um, and there's another one uh, that they're starting to talk about. Do you suspect there'll be some attempts to try to make improvements on this on this front within the current farm bill? Is that possible? Oh, I don't think uh, they'll. I think they have their hands full with uh, SNAP, uh, with right. some of the conservation programs. Uh, and, of course, you know, there's a lot of movement uh, in farm groups and the like just to put more dollars in the Title I programs, uh, which I think is going to be a very heavy lift. So I can't really... Uh, you know, the committees of jurisdiction over immigration are probably not going to be very uh, enthusiastic about um, the Ag Committee poaching on their territory. It'd be a great place to write uh, immigration laws, I'll tell you that, but I can't see it happening. Yeah. But when you say Title I, just remind people what Title I program Well, that's are. the traditional yeah. uh, traditional price support. I mean, basically, there's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think of it as, you know, three, there's more to it than that. There's a bunch of titles. But basically, for my farm here in Missouri, there's three things that that matter: the conservation programs, the price support programs, which haven't been uh, particularly haven't cost anything basically uh, last year or two because prices are strong, but are kind of a, a floor underneath the market. And then the third leg would be uh, crop insurance. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so yeah. that would be that's how I look at it. Not really sure. correct, but it's where I organize it in my mind. So. Now I really do want to wrap up. So I'm talking to Blake Hurst. And Blake, I mentioned that uh, I get an email from you and and you've been able to share some of these stories and and you've shared one with us this morning. So uh, how uh, how can other people, you know, well, tune thank in, you tune for <laughs> thank you for giving me the chance to uh, make a shameless pitch. I have a sub stack. Uh, just I think it's Hurst Blake, a real uh, a real original name. But anyway, just look for Blake Hurst uh, on Facebook or on Substack. Uh, it's free because uh, I'm afraid that if I charge for it, I would lose some of my dozens of subscribers. <laughs> so 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 all you got to do is sign up, and uh, I won't uh, overburden your inbox. I usually don't uh, write more than I once every couple of weeks, and I certainly uh, don't write much at all. Uh, in April and May, so so it it will not burden your time, but uh, no, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of fun with it, and you know I get some nice reactions once in a while, so it so it's been fun. Well, you're a talented writer, and you're observing these things, and and again, I had a chance to read what you were saying about Juan and Carlos, and made me want to have this longer conversation. So I feel fortunate that I've enjoyed this visit, and there's a. There's a bunch of folks that are listening to you right now that are enjoying to hear from you, and they'll probably start reading a little bit about you, too, as well. So, Blake, thanks for being on Farm to Table Talk. You bet. Thank you. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 